Good morning. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance, where in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to get you excited about investing. Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. Happy Thursday to all of you guys out there. We got a lot going on in the news today. Uh, the term of the day, yesterday we did bear market. Today we're just going to do a bull market, which, I mean, you guys all pretty much know what that means. A bull market just means things are on the rise. So whether it be the economy, stocks, indexes, indices, technically, um, a bull market and a bear market. We said it yesterday, but remember it like this. Bulls attack up with their horns and bears swipe down with their paws. So remember that bull up, bear down. Okay. All right. Let's get into the news today. U.S. equity markets are pointing to a flat to lower open following new record highs for the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ on Wednesday. It was the 51st record close for the benchmark index in 2021 and the 30th record close for the NASDAQ so far this year. European equity markets are trading lower following losses in Asia as South Korea's central bank raised interest rates. The yield on the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note climbed for a third day to 1.353% from 1.342% on Wednesday and reached its highest level in two weeks. Now, just to cut in real quick there, remember, safe investments, safest investments, government uh, investment products. So the U.S. Treasury, that to me is a 1 out of 10 investment risk. I don't think there's anything more safe as far as investment goes than that. I guess you could consider your mattress uh, a safer place, but then it's not safe because you're guaranteed to lose money. So remember that U.S. Treasury's safe investment there. Uh, let me see. The yield on the U.S. government bonds has been steadily climbing as the Federal Reserve begins its three-day Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds it sounds intense, uh, which will be held virtually this year. While no rate hikes are expected, economists and investors are expecting more details on the timing and magnitude of the Fed's plan to taper its $120 billion in monthly bond purchases. Okay, so remember how we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was just a couple of episodes. It might have even been Monday that we talked about this, but the Fed was buying up not just bonds, but they were also buying positions and securities. They were just buying stuff. And that was more of an idea to stimulate the economy, right? To put money out there, to put it in circulation. Um, so that they were buying equities, right? So they stopped that. They're stopping that. And now they're going into buying debt. So that's all a bond is, remember, is debt. So, hey, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks. You're going to give me a hundred dollars for the next 10 years. And eventually you get back to where you were. Um, and sometimes it's like $102, $101. It really just depends upon the uh, the parameters of the bond obligation, I guess you could say. Uh, okay, let's go on here. Worries about tapering have not scared investors out of the U.S. stock market. Although August tends to be a historically weak for stocks, although August tends to be historically weak for stocks, that hasn't been the case this year. The S and P 500 hit nine new highs already this month, the most since 1929, according to LPL Financial. Uh, so just to just to let you guys know, just disclosure here. So we all know what happened in 1929, right? The Great Depression. So uh, there's a there's a quote by Mark Twain, by Mark Twain, <laughs> Mark Twain, that he says, "History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes." So this is, I guess, a good time just to say, I don't think we're gonna have a big economic collapse or or even a recession anytime this year. I think we're probably going to see new highs at the end of the year. Now, I, obviously, anything can happen. I'm just saying that that's kind of my assumption and my thought process on it going forward. Assuming nothing catastrophic happens, 
Obviously, if there's a war or a massive earthquake or something, that's going to change things. But assuming all things equal, I'm hopeful about the uh, stock market moving forward. Uh, but Mark Twain's got it right. History doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it often does rhyme. So hopefully we can keep uh, keep some positivity going in the markets. Okay, let's look at today's headlines. Uh, UK car production sank to a new low last month, making making July the worst performance of the industry since 1956. That is not very good. Um, JD.com, if you guys remember yesterday, Jingdong, which is the Amazon of China. Uh, JD.com is in advanced talks to acquire a controlling stake in China Logistics Property Holdings Company, according to Bloomberg. The Chinese e-commerce giant shareholder... Um, hold on. The Chi- Where did I see that? My bad. The Chinese e-commerce giant is close to an agreement to acquire the stake in the Hong Kong listed firm from its top shareholders, including China, including China logistics chairman Li Shifa and RRJ Capital. It would be the latest major acquisition by a Chinese e-commerce company of logistics and wearing and warehousing company in Asia. So I wanted to bring that up just because yesterday we talked about Jingdong. I am hopeful for it. Uh, it's the Amazon of China, which... I mean, people say that China is a third world country and they're on their way up to first. I mean, there's no there's no better way to decide if a country is first world or not by seeing if they have an Amazon. So just whenever people say China is a third world country, I would say there's third world aspects because China doesn't do a good job of dispersing its advancement. They keep it within the cities typically. Uh, and part of that's cultural, right? It's not necessarily the everybody has to to move up with China as a whole, right? Like not every uh, tribe or town has to be like, we have to have a train station. We have, we have to have Wi-Fi in every building. Like China's kind of, you know, they, they like having their historical roots. And we, we have that here in the U.S. too, right? Like we have the, um, the Amish. I mean, obviously it's significantly less areas of the country compared to China that are underdeveloped, but... Uh, China is slowly expanding, but they're focused in their cities. So I think that's a, a big thing to consider when choosing to invest in China. Okay, last one here. Alphabet's drone delivery arm, Wing, has delivered 10,000 cups of coffee, 1,700 snack packs, and 1,200 roasted chickens to customers in Logan, Australia. Uh, Wing, which has been operating in Australia since 2019, said it expects to make its 100,000th delivery in the next few days. So guys, I didn't even know... I didn't even know Google was doing this. So Alphabet is the parent company of Google. Um, so that's kind of intense that they're doing that. They're they're actually doing the drone the drone drop offs. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Alphabet's a company you can invest in. Uh, a lot of people do it just because it is technically Google, but as you can see, they have other companies as well. So they're expanding. Uh, let's see. So okay, so we are going to talk about South Korea's hike rates really quickly, uh, just because South Korea as well as Japan, is more of a, uh, they kind of represent the Asian equity markets. And if you guys know sector investing, there's also geographical investing. So you want to invest in the Asia markets, you want to invest in uh, the oil companies in the Middle East. I mean, there's different types of, of investing as far as countries and regions go. But just for clarification, global investing, right? That means U.S. and all the other countries. Foreign investing means everything but the U.S., so that sometimes gets convoluted when explaining it to clients. I just wanted to, to break that out there. Uh, but let's see here. South Korea became the first major Asian economy to raise interest rates and signaled more hikes ahead. The Bank of Korea said today that it raised it its base rate by 0.25% from 0.5% 
to 0.75%, despite the risks of the resurgence of COVID-19. In its policy statement, the bank wrote, Looking ahead, the board sees global economic growth and global financial markets as likely to be affected largely by the severity of the resurgence of COVID-19 and the status of vaccine distribution, as well as by monetary policy changes in major countries and their effects. South Korea has experienced a higher number of COVID-19 cases in recent, we- in recent weeks with its rolling seven-day average surging past 1,800 compared to just over 400 in June. That's pretty, that's, that's a big increase, I would say. Last week, the country extended, extended its social distancing curves for another two weeks as new cases surge. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think South Korea is necessarily, like, they're not Australia, where Australia is insanely strict with their COVID rules, but I think this is a pretty big deal that they're, they're raising these rates. Uh... They're kind of they're kind of expecting it to get worse. I don't know if, if I am. I don't I don't really think so. Uh, but let's 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 read what's who's next in this in this title here. Uh, Sri Lanka beat South Korea to the rate raising party last week, and New Zealand was expected to follow suit. But its central bank delayed the move as Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern imposed a nationwide lockdown after it detected a new COVID nineteen case. Still, New Zealand could be next in the advanced economy to raise rates when its central bank meets n- next month. As for the U.S., we'll have to wait until early 2023, according to the Federal Reserve. Thank goodness. Um, uh, just, to, just to keep in mind, guys, by the way, the South Korean stock market or their, their market, even New Zealand, Sri Lanka, I mean, they're, we're the biggest economy and market in the world, the U.S. is. So keep that in mind as far as people making these changes. I wouldn't get too caught up in it. Uh, but okay, here's the big number of the day, guys. 556. That is the total amount of follow on offerings or additional stock sales by companies, um, so far this year. It's the most since 1996. And those offerings have raised a total of 133 billion so far. Okay. So this is kind of the main topic I wanted to talk about today. It's a more, more terms for us to learn, right? So a follow on offering when you are a company and you go public, Okay, you have an IPO, an initial public offering. You decide, hey, we're going to allow people to take ownership, and so you pass out these stocks. Sometimes it's 100 million stocks. Sometimes it's 500 million. Sometimes it's 10 million. Whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's, it depends upon the evaluation of your company and how much you want, how many stockholders you want to allow to exist. So a follow-on offering is whenever a company says, hey, we're going to do a secondary offering of stock. So now they... they offer even more, right? And so there's a couple different things with that. Uh, let's see. Let, let me read this really quickly. The flurry of offerings shows that investors have an expanding appetite for buying up shares of their favorite companies, even when more supply comes to the market. Okay, so the only reason a company would do this is, one, they need to raise capital, and two, they believe that there, there's, it's, it's, uh, there's a brighter outlook, um, I'm having a hard time t- talking today. There's a, it's a brighter outlook. They are positive on the future. And to see that there's 556 of these follow-on offerings, that's a pretty uh, momentous uh, opinion of these companies. And like I always say, guys, follow the money. Where's the money going? Look, this is kind of a big deal. Is, is it something that I, am I going to do any of these uh, the secondary offerings? Probably not. I'm probably not going to invest in any of these um, follow-on offerings just because like I said, I think it's going to be positive moving forward, but it's nothing to get, I don't think it's anything to write home about. Like putting more money into the stock market right now, 
the only the only way I would suggest that is if you have an extremely long time horizon. So like long time horizon would be 10 years, five to 10 years, give or take. Extremely to me is 15 to 40. Uh, and anything beyond that, I would say you're getting started really, really early. Um, but yeah, so I'm still going to hold. I'm telling my clients to hold. I don't think there's any reason to get up in arms about anything uh, unless things change in Afghanistan. So I know we, I said we would talk about to, that in today's episode, but there's just not enough news yet for us to really make any opinions or, or even state anything. Everything is just hearsay. Uh, and I'd prefer to deal in as much facts as possible. So uh, keep keep on the outlook for that. Um, we'll definitely be talking about it as soon as there's more for us to discuss. But that's it for today, guys. I hope you learned something. As always, invest early, invest often. We'll see you tomorrow.